I love that song because Jesus loves me. And every time we sing it, I know that he not only loves me, but he is for me. And we need Jesus to be for us. We need to be on his side. And if, if God be with us, and that's who Jesus is, um, we have no problems at all. All of our issues have been overcome by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're thankful for that and, and just thankful that uh, he loves us today. And he made a tremendous sacrifice uh, that we could enjoy that love for eternity. But this morning I'm going to uh, go back and uh, pick up a little bit where we left off here uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, over, in, over in 1 John. And, and kind of build it, I guess, around the theme of the message that uh, whoever is born of God, as we talked about, overcomes the world. And we can be thankful for that too. It took a lot of love for him to overcome this world for us. It really did. But whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory which we're all looking forward to that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. That's so important in our lives. Who is he who overcomes the world? but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm glad, I believe, and I know. You know, there are some things I know, just like that song says, I know he loves me, I know he's for me, and I know, as it says here, that he gave his life for a purpose. And that purpose was that not only did he overcome the world, but he overcame the world in me. And that's most important. And that's what we have to understand that Jesus came to do. He's certainly capable of overcoming the world, but he cannot overcome the world in me nor in you until we put all of our faith all of our faith in him. Putting all of our trust right where it needs to be. Then we're going to have faith. We're going to have obedience. We're going to have love. We're going to just, we're, we're going to be faithful. I thought about that line in, in the Sunday school lesson, or that verse in the Sunday school lesson, that people were no longer faithful. Boy, I tell you, that drops like a bomb, bomb, doesn't it? How many faithful people you know? I can look around this sanctuary today and I can tell you there's been a lot of unfaithful people on the roads of this church. A lot of them. Some of you say, well, preacher, you're going to get to meddling. You know, I used to meddle all the time. I don't meddle much anymore. But I'm telling you, people won't even get up and come to church. You know? All the things that the Lord has done for us, how much he loves us, how much he's for us, how he overcame the world in us. We ought to run to the church. I like that song too. Just keep singing. You know, I run to him and he runs to me. But listen, we're going we're gonna, to uh, take a little uh, back, uh, reverse, if you will. Just turn back one page in your Bible if you will, over at 1 John chapter 5. And, um, and we're going to be talking about this morning uh, about how all of this came to be. Uh, and why? And um, I want to just begin by saying this. Look on down to verse 18 
of that uh, second chapter of 1 John. And it says there, little children. I like it when the Bible calls us little children, don't you? Because that's who we are. We are the children of God. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, we talk about the Antichrist a lot, but I wonder how much we know about the Antichrist. Uh, often referred to in Scripture, um, writings of Paul, writings of John, primarily those two. Uh, but Paul gives us our best understanding of just who this is and what he brings along with him. I mean, when Jesus came, he brought the Holy Spirit along with him. When the Antichrist came, he brought a spirit of Antichrist, which spread through the hearts and lives of many people, many people who have never understood what it is that Jesus did when he overcame the world that was in our lives. I understand that. I understand what it means to live for the devil. I understand what it means to be filled with iniquity. I know what it is to rebel against God. I know all of those things. But there's going to be a spirit of antichrist that's coming. And as it says twice in this little verse of scripture, uh, it's going to be coming uh, fairly soon. But now listen, listen to this description of the Antichrist, just a couple of verses. Uh, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Wow. A lot of empty pews. If you can't see the falling away, you're blind. He will not arrive until this falling away occurs. And then it says this. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders... And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth. I know he loves me. And I know he is for me. Because he saved me from myself and from this world. And for this reason, God will send strong delusion that those who have not received the love of Christ, that they should believe the lie. That's deception, by the way. Deception is going to play a big role in this message this morning. That they should believe the deception that is all around us constantly. That they all may be condemned condemned 
who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's amazing that in that description of Antichrist, we can see two very clear images presented. In one case, people believe the lie. And they could care less about the truth. On the other hand, we have received that truth into our hearts in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who told us, yes, I am the truth. We cannot be saved. We cannot live eternally with him lest that truth be in our lives. And Antichrist will do everything that he possibly can do could take that away. You see... Either you believe the truth and you find pleasure in that and you find great joy in the fact that the truth came into this world and loved you enough to save you or either you're going to believe the life, the lie and these people who believe the lie, let me tell you, they find their pleasure somewhere else. And it's not in the church. They find their pleasure, the Bible says, in unrighteousness. They just can't tell the difference. So when we think about Antichrist, we can look at it and we can understand that the world is facing a coming Antichrist, but preceding him, as it says back over there in the passage that I just read, from you, I read to you from chapter 2, um, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that is the last hour. There's a spirit of Antichrist that is just sweeping this world. And the primary characteristic of that is that people now find their pleasure in unrighteousness. They have no desire in living a righteous life. And the Bible simply tells us that the just, the righteous, shall live by faith. They do not believe the message that we are preaching and that we are proclaiming anymore. And if it indeed is a time where we're nearing the coming of the Antichrist, and you, if you want to read more about that, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, but um, you know, if, if, if we cannot understand and accept the truth, inevitably we're going to believe the lie. And it has to permeate every part of our own lives. Now, when I looked at this passage... I thought, well, that's bad news. Little children, it's the last hour, and you have heard of the Antichrist, and he is coming, and there's now even a spirit of Antichrist working within us. But if I go over to verse 28 of that second chapter of 1 John, I find these words. Now, little children, same way. He's addressing you exactly the same way. Now, little children, abide in Christ. 
that when he appears, hey, he's coming too. Not only is the Antichrist coming, but Jesus is coming. Now, I don't know who you're going to follow. I know who I'm going to follow. And I think I know who most of you are going to follow. But he says, listen, when he appears, when Jesus appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at coming. We're not going to live our lives through the lie of unrighteousness. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, move me, have a few sins. But listen, you better run to the cross every day in this world. And you may understand and believe that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? All sin. All sin. What a gift that is also. And so he says, Jesus is coming also. And if you know that Jesus is righteous, do you know that? Oh, my goodness, if you don't know that, you better start over. Jesus is righteous. You know that everyone who practices righteousness or trusts him deeply within their hearts by faith, the Bible says they are born of him. Kind of like what happened to Nicodemus, you know? Got born again. That's the way it works. It works in all of our lives. When we begin to pursue righteousness above all else, and knowing that the only way we can pursue that righteousness is through our faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And that Son of God is also coming soon. So that's good news. I think it's probably good news for most everybody in this room. And we ought to just be able to rejoice and worship Him and praise Him. So when we see that, we begin to ask ourselves, well, how can we overcome this wicked world? We can't. We cannot overcome this wicked world. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I, he says, not you, not me. He has. And we talked about that two weeks ago. Listen, that's what you got to believe. That is the truth of the book. That is the truth of the gospel. That is the truth of what righteousness is all about in our lives. And so we have to understand how this problem that the world seems to have today came about. Well, it started a long time ago. Um, it started in the Garden of Eden. And, you know, Eve and Adam, they were, they were told they could eat of all of the trees of the fruit uh, except one tree. Only one tree. I mean, I don't know how many trees of fruit there were, but there's plenty to keep them going. Listen, only one tree they could not eat of. But here goes Eve, just to go by and check that tree out, and she sees the fruit. And it was pleasing to her sight, it tasted good. It had great flavor. And it did even more than that. It brought wisdom. The knowledge of good and evil. And even though God had said, do not eat of the fruit of that tree, she ate and gave it to her husband, Adam. 
Mm. That's the worst decision that this, that's ever been made on this planet. I can promise you that. Because that disobedience, that act of rebellion against God brought sin to this world and a curse of that sin was it was going to follow the humanity of every person born of a woman that they were going to be born with a sinful nature. Now some of you say, well, I, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. <laughs> no, no, no. You cannot say that you've been a Christian all your life. Because you can do something about that sinful nature. You can put your faith in the one who overcame the world and promised he would overcome it in you. So, man, that's good news. He's given us a way. Now, he gave us that way, and the way he had in mind was sending his son. We, uh, we can go over to the Gospels, a couple of different places in the Gospels. Um, I, uh, I chose to go to Luke. Remember after Jesus was baptized, Satan uh, uh, led him out into the wilderness. Well, the Holy Spirit led him, but Satan followed along. And he was tempted for 40 days. The Bible says he did not eat anything for 40 days. Whew. Think about Thanksgiving. I told somebody I ate Thanksgiving on Thursday. I ate it Friday at lunch. I ate it Friday in the afternoon. Same meal, same stuff. Loved every single bite of it. 40 days? And I don't get to eat? And so he became very hungry. And so Satan says to him, listen, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. <laughs> Jesus says, oh, 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 no. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every Word of God. Whether you have food or not is not very important. What's most important is that you know the one who can overcome the world in you. But that was not enough. Next, the devil carried him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, These kingdoms can be yours. And, and listen to what it says. And, 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 for this, all these kingdoms, this has been delivered to me. <laughs> Amen to that. I'll give the devil credit for that. Somehow he got his hands on the whole, all of the kingdoms of this world. Except the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, they were delivered to me. And if you'll bow down and worship me, Jesus, all of these will be yours. Jesus says this, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. One last try. Satan carries him down and, 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 and sets him up on the pinnacle of the temple, right there in Jerusalem. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, then you throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give you his angels Charge over you, Jesus. You don't have a thing in the world to worry about. What does the Bible say? Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. A lot of humility there. 
And Jesus answered that day and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't ever try that. It never works out. It just absolutely never works out. And so we get over here to 1 John chapter 2, and he says about all of this, do not love this world. Listen, if you fall so in love with the world that you love the world more than you love the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, you need to check up on your salvation. He says very clearly, do not love the world or the things, now listen, are the things in the world. Sometimes you have to read Scripture very carefully to really understand the fullness of what is being said. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. You know, I kind of wondered when I first started reading this that do not love the world or the things in the world. And then he comes right back. For all that is in the world. I said, I'm fixing to get my answer. What all is it in the world that I dare not love? For all that is in the world, the lust or the desire of flesh. Hmm. I want that apple, and I'm going to get it. The lust of the eyes. It's a beautiful piece of fruit. And she quickly found out how delicious it was. But there's one other thing that's the most dangerous thing of all in the world. And it's the pride of your life. Boy, it is easy for us to swell up with pride and forget all about the world which attacks us from every side. Now, we may live in it, but we're not of it, Jesus said. But we're in it, and it's around us, and it's on our TVs, and it's in our newspapers, and it's everywhere you look. Well, Jesus went through the same thing, by the way. I guess you picked up on that. Don't tempt the Lord your God. It's never going to work out. And as he says, for, it, for all that is in the world, all of it, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father. You may take a lot of pride in it, but God doesn't take much. God has a very humble side about him too. All of those things, it says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world, listen, is passing away. You're not going to cling to a single thing you own. You're not going to cling to a single garment you got on this morning. Maybe your favorite outfit, but I'm telling you, it ain't going with you. You may love the jewelry that dangles from your neck or on your fingers, but it ain't going with you. You may have plenty of money down at the bank, but let me tell you, it ain't going with you. Those things are not important. Those are not things that we should take pride in. Now, we need them to survive sometime, but don't take pride in them. But many people 
Take that old master sin of the devil, which is pride, and they separate themselves from the Father. They choose a different path, the path of this world. But he says even that is passing away. There will be a new heaven and a new earth one day. Even this old earth and everything in it is going to be dissolved one day. Burned, destroyed, so that for those who are the people of God, he will build for us a new heaven and a new earth that we will exist in forever. Don't have time to go over to 2 Peter right now. But if you're interested in that, go over and take a look. Wow, that's going to be something. And the world is passing away and the desire for it. Can I tell y'all something? I can't think of anything right now that I desire in this world. And if you get to that point, you've reached a place where finally you understand what happened when Jesus overcame the world in you. And I'm not bragging because if you're a believer today, that's happened to you too. That's happened to you too. But there are things about this old world, listen, I could leave it today and never miss it. Never miss it for one second. If I can get that last grandson saved, then praise God, I'm going to be ready to go. Amen? I told somebody last Sunday when Chris was preaching on uh, from 2 Corinthians 5 and Dan was sitting with me and all the other grandchildren have been saved and baptized. And you can tell there's still a little bit of a rebellious spirit in Dan. He's just different. I may love him most of all, but let me tell you, there's a rebellious spirit somewhere deep inside that he treasures. So as Chris was preaching... I just took the back of the bulletin and I just decided I'm going to draw this for him so he can see exactly what it means for God to reconcile himself unto us. I draw a cliff on one side and a cliff on the other side and there is Jesus and God on one side and there's Dan on the other side. Now Dan, how are you going to get over to Jesus and God? Well, the way you do it is that God builds a bridge. And that bridge is Jesus Christ. And I stretched Jesus out a long way to get him stretched all the way across that bridge. And I said, Dan, you're over here. God loved you enough to build a bridge. What are you going to do now? I'm going to cross the bridge. You see, he understood that. And the only way to the other side is through Jesus Christ. Now, all of you have seen that track out there somewhere. But I know Chris thought, what in the world is Marshall doing? He is not listening to a single word of my sermon. But I, but, I, but I was, especially the part when Jesus makes you a new creation. And he, he does something positive with that spirit that burns so brightly in the heart of that little boy. And it's that last thing that's important. To understand that God wants to overcome the world 
that is in him. And it's so important. Somebody said, well, you can't push too hard. They'll go over the cliff. Listen, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know how many other opportunities I'll have to him sitting beside me in church and hearing the very message he needs to understand that he could be reconciled, that he'd become friends with God just simply by walking across the bridge to the other side. And then I put him on the other side of the... After he had walked across the bridge and there he was on the other side with God and with Lord Jesus on the other side, which was heaven, and he didn't fall in the pit, which was hell. You see, it's not a hard thing to try to get people to understand some of this stuff, but it's so important that they understand. So he gets in the car with me yesterday in the truck. And my Bible's laying up on the dash. It kind of slides off into his lap. And what falls out? Anybody know what fell out of that Bible? That picture that his granddaddy had drawn for him. And I got to go over the story again. Now, I don't know whether that'll make any difference. I don't know. But how do you, how do you share the gospel with somebody as important in your life as a little eight-year-old boy that thinks he's the toughest creature on the face of the earth and don't mind showing you? I'm telling you, we need to do whatever we can do. There are things that are of the Father. There are things that are of the world. And the world is passing away and the, the, the desire of it. But he who does the will of God abides, guess how? Forever. How long? Forever. How long? Forever. Why? Look down at verse 20. You have an anointing. Have you got an anointing upon your life? Was there a day when what Chris was preaching about last Sunday is true and old things pass away and all things become new because suddenly there is an anointing upon your life that you have never experienced or never felt before, but you know that something is different from that moment on? Do you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life? You, verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I do? Yes, I do. Everything that I need to know I have, because when the anointing comes upon me, the anointing leads me into all truth, which keeps me from believing a lie that will eternally separate me from the love of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he comes to live in you. You know all things. Now, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. A lot of people know the truth, but they're going to go to hell because they never have pursued the truth. They have never asked Jesus to overcome the world that is destroying their lives. Hear that again. I have not written to you because... You do not know the truth. Hey, I knew the truth when I was six, seven years old. But because you know it, 
and that no lie is of the truth. Don't lie to me because I'm not going to listen to you. Amen? Because that's not of the truth. Very simple. And my goodness, if we can't tell the difference between a lie and the truth. When you look at this world we're living in today and you can't tell the difference between a lie and the truth, it might be this world is trying to overcome you. And it may be able to destroy you and overcome much of your faith. It can't ever completely destroy you once the anointing comes upon your life. But let me tell you something. The world ain't going to quit trying. Why is that? That no lies of the truth, it says. Verse 22, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? You cannot keep me from believing that Jesus is the anointed one from heaven. That he is the Christ. That he is my Savior. That cannot be taken from me and it should not be able to be taken from you and it should be the most important thing you have in your life. Who is a liar? Verse 22. But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is, what does it say? Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is alive and well in our world today. He is Antichrist who denies not only the Son, but who denies the Father. And that's important. Because until you, till you understand the love of the Father that would allow him to send his only begotten son to, to die the most cruel death that this world has ever seen, and he let him die on that cross for you, you're never going to understand the fullness of the story. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either, and he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let's just get together and hug. Amen. Just hug the Father. Jesus on one side, me on the other. Let's just have a, let's just have a group hug. Because I'm going to tell you, I love the Father and I love the Son. And I hate the world. I despise the world that I'm living in today. And I think it's going over to the edge and I don't think it's coming back. And thank goodness we're as old as we are. <laughs> because we're going to be going home very soon, whether Jesus comes or not. Therefore, let that abide in you, verse 24. Let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. I just want to carry you all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, you know, so you can know where it came from. It came from the very beginning. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. If you understand the consequences of sin in your life, you will turn to the Son and to the Father. And you would never have had the opportunity of turning to the Son lest there had been the love of the Father in heaven who sent him here to overcome the world in me and to overcome the world that is in you. And it's time we said that. It's time we understand that. I'm sick of the world. And I still struggle with it. I'm not beyond struggling because I've still got this old sinful nature. I've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I've got the truth of the Word of God. And the more I see of the world, the more I hate it. And I hate it when it tries to get back inside of me. 
If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Guess what it is? Eternal life. Eternal life. I'm telling you, how could anything be more wonderful than that? So John says, these things I have written to you, thank goodness for John. He says that several times in this, in this little epistle. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. And listen, every time you turn on the television, just exactly like what we read in our Sunday school lesson this morning, it is the kings or it is the politicians and it is the judges and it is the wicked who are out for themselves in this world that are out to destroy us. These things have I written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but. I like that. I always like to see but when I read something like that. But the anointed which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Because you're never going to believe it to the Holy Spirit is ready to come into your life. You do not need anyone to teach you. That's the second time we've heard that. But listen to what he says next. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and, and is true and is not a lie, and is just as it is taught to you. And all of those things allow you to abide with Christ forever. One last time I'm going to ask you. Are you certain Jesus has overcome the world in you? And I'm terribly afraid that the vast majority of people that we know do not have a clue. It's the message from the beginning to the end. Jesus says, listen, don't spare Oh, you're going to have some tribulation. You're going to have some tough times. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I have overcome it in the hearts of every person who believes and has put his or her faith in Jesus, surrendered to him as Lord, and yielded all things into his hands. I can't change it. I can't change this world. I've been told since I was a kid, you can change it. You can change it. You can change it. I'm going to tell you, you can't change it. Now you may say, preacher, that just ain't right. I'm telling you, it's right. Only Jesus can change it. Because he overcame the world for us.
And that's the message a lot of people need to hear today. Who have fallen in love with the world and have forgotten all about the truth. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that we can delve into your word. I know it may be seemingly difficult, some of these passages, and I try to put them in an order which makes it easier for us to understand. But Lord, the night I met you at Broadway Lake Baptist Church, I was a man of the world. I mean, all things of the world were just swirling inside of my life. But that night, when I asked him to forgive me and to come to my heart, he overcame this world for me. And it's probably something that it took me 40 years to fully understand. And I probably don't fully understand it yet. But my goodness, the Apostle John tried awfully hard to explain it to us. These things that he has written. Lord, may we take these things and put them into our heart. And may we rejoice. It doesn't matter if Antichrist is coming. I've known he's coming for a long, long time. I know the spirit of Antichrist is in this world. There's no doubt about it in my mind. But I also know that Jesus is coming. And both of those guys are coming real soon. But Jesus defeated the Antichrist on the cross. And therefore he has overcome the world for all who will believe. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen.